Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of the Graw Pod. I'm Doug Graw here today, looking forward to our discussion and proud and excited again to be joined by my good friend and business partner, Gary Randall. Welcome, Gary. Hi, Doug. Appreciate the welcome. Looking forward to the conversation today. Yeah, so we're here at the beginning of the year. The market is softening a bit, just seeing some more weekly headlines and end of week stats coming out in the industry. More headlines about a weakening freight market for our customers and carriers and so forth. It's interesting times, that's for sure. No doubt about it. It seems like the cycles continue to go on no matter what year we're in, no matter what decade we're in, there's continuing cycles. And the good cycle, the upside cycle for trucking always seems just a little bit shorter than the reverse. And like a lot of industries, I'm not going to say necessarily that trucking is special in this regard, but I always enjoy talking to the folks that have been in the industry for a long time. No matter what the market is, they're going to hearken back to some other time. Oh, this is like 08, or this is like 07, or this is like 14, or this is like whatever. They'll go back to there. And if a lot of people are negative, they'll say, we got through it then, we're going to be okay. If the time is positive, they'll say, yeah, but don't worry, some negative stuff is coming. They remain that even keel, which I think you need to be in this industry. Yeah, I think you're right. That's how people get through it. Yeah. And so it's interesting because six months ago, I was getting calls about, hey, I think I want to start a trucking company or we're thinking about buying a trucking company. Our business is in this, but we really want to get into trucking because the market's great and all that kind of stuff. I'm not getting as many of those calls these days. No, probably not. It's a tough business to make a dollar in, right? And I think that's why you see the attitudes that you referred to a couple minutes ago. You've got to have that steady attitude, kind of that keep on trucking, if you will, attitude to get through it because times are difficult. And you're right about the even keel. And you mentioned that when you start talking about the people in your business, you think to yourself, it's your greatest asset. It's your biggest investment. It's also one of your biggest costs when it comes to trucking. So one of the critical decisions that companies make a lot of times is, are we going to be an employee driver fleet? Are we going to be an independent contractor fleet? Are we going to be some kind of a combination? If we're going to be a combination, how are we going to do that combining? How are we going to operate? And you and I see it done a variety of different ways. Yeah, I think we have had the opportunity, especially in this line of work that we're in right now, we get an opportunity to see a whole bunch of different strategies at work. And really, I think what you see is, is that any of them can work. It's just a matter of having the belief in your processes and then implementing those processes successfully. I think either one can work. And I think either one can work in either market. There's sometimes a misnomer out there, and you and I are talking about trucking. We're not talking about other aspects of transportation, but we're talking about trucking. When it comes to using an independent contractor and employee, you can do very well with either. You can do very poorly with either. You can do well with both. You can do very poorly with both. It's how you operate. It's how you treat people that's going to determine whether or not you're successful. It is not a legal magic bullet of I'm choosing all employee drivers or I'm choosing all independent contractors. Therefore, I will be successful or not be successful. I think that's true. I think it's strategy that you can execute on and then it's taking your people, whether they be contractors or employee drivers and putting them in position where they can be successful. Part of them being successful is meeting the company's needs, but it's also having the company's business model meet their needs. And as long as you focus on that, I think you can work with either one. 
So let's talk a little bit about this, Gary. From an operations perspective, what are some of the things that you like over the years? And we're going to talk generally. We always know there's exceptions. There's great contractors. There's great employees. There's poor contractors. There's poor employees. We get that. You can say all sorts of things about specific people. But when talking generally, what are some of the things that you've really liked about leading an employee driver fleet? I think it gives you a little bit more structure in that you can set work schedules versus reacting to the contractor's independent thought about when they want to work and how often they want to work. You can certainly set up active count goals for the contractors and work with them toward that. But with the employee driver, it feels like you have a little bit more control and a little bit more structure over when your assets are going to be available and how you can utilize them. So can you expand on that a little bit more? So what does that do kind of down the pipeline or up the pipeline when it comes to planning and customer service and freight design and all that kind of stuff? What does that mean? I think it gives you a workforce that you can count on in terms of when they're going to be available to work. So then I think that allows for much more long-term planning. So instead of looking at the next day, you can be looking much further out ahead than that. That should help you with the utilization of your equipment because you've got time to find those loads and to book that freight that fits within the network. It also gives the driver time to understand what his or her schedule is going to look like so that they're going to have more appreciation for the operation, probably be happier in their job. Is it fair to think, though, in a freight market like we are in or entering into whatever your position is, that actually makes it a lot more challenging right now? Because there's less freight available? Yeah. What it means is that your planning window, if you want to look at it that way, your planning window starts to shrink up a little bit because you don't have as much freight volume in the system. So you can't plan as far ahead. So then I think what you need to work on is just to be consistent with what you've got. The drivers understand the market probably better than any of us in the offices do, just based on what they see on the road and the conversations that they're having with the shippers on the docks. So I think they understand it. You just need to make sure that you stay consistent with how you're trying to plan them. You may not be able to plan them as far out, but as long as you're consistent with your methods, they're going to respect that and understand that because, as I said, they have a better feel for the freight flows than most of the folks in the offices do. And from a financial sense, kind of the downside to the employee driver is when that freight is soft, you're eating that truck expense, you're eating that driver expense. There's that much more pressure on you to get that truck moving and making sure you're utilizing it. It's not about the driver making poor acceptance and turndown decisions. It's about your ability to plan and go get that freight. Correct. And your ability to improvise and maybe haul freight for some folks that you normally don't. So you have to look at that customer base and say, should we be trying to expand the pool right now in order to keep all of our trucks busy? And then there may be some rate concessions as a result of that. But I think you have to play the long game and you have to make sure that you're looking at it. Here's what's good for us today. Here's what's going to be good for us next quarter. Here's what's going to be good for us next year. And you have to be able to play the cycle through. So let's talk about this. You've done a good job kind of explaining some of the dispatching and the planning differences that go along with working with independent contractors for employees. And I hope our audience is seeing there really are trade-offs because there's a lot of good things that come with working with independent contractors. Maybe before we move on from that, Gary, can you just kind of talk a little bit about when you've led independent contractor fleets, what are some of the pros of doing that? I think the biggest one in my mind always has been the amount of skin that they have in the game. 
they're bringing you their piece of equipment that they've got to make their livelihood with. And they're entrusting you that you're going to be able to keep that thing busy and keep revenue coming into their pocket. So they've got more skin in the game in terms of trying to make sure that they make themselves available, that they deliver on time, that they follow instruction in terms of if there's anything special that needs to be done with that particular load. Maybe a better way to say it is more of an attention to detail because frankly, their livelihood depends on it. Versus the employee driver who, if things aren't going great, there's probably a carrier that they can go to down the street. They don't have to worry about moving their truck from place to place. There's not really going to be a cost to them or an interruption to their business. They're going to go down there and get hired and get in a truck and get moving. So the contractor has a little bit more to lose, I guess is what I would say. If I can maybe put a little bit different terminology on that, and again, I'm speaking in generalities, there are plenty of great employee drivers, great independent contractors, bad employee drivers, bad independent contractors, plenty on both sides. I would say what we hear from clients and what we've seen is the best of the best, the best independent contractors are awesome. Their service is fantastic. Their safety is fantastic. Their trucks are fantastic. They're very proud of being independent contractors and they're great to work with. They are there for you as a trucking company to help you out because they know you're going to help them out when they're struggling to find freight as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that that last portion, that last piece that you mentioned is important. They are more willing to say to the carrier, hey, I was talking to the person on the dock and they were telling me about this lane that goes here. Are we doing anything with that? So they almost seem a little bit more invested in the business than maybe the employee drivers are necessarily. That's a great point. So we've talked about the differences on the dispatching side, but one of the most critical parts of any trucking business is always going to be safety. You can't be a good successful trucking company if you're not a good safe trucking company, just like you can't be a good successful truck company if you're not good at service and you're not good at the way you treat people. But safety is right there on par with those other factors. So talk to me a little bit about safety when it comes to working with employee drivers versus working with independent contractors? Well, I think a big part of safety, of course, is the speed at which the truck is moving. And I think that the independent contractors are a lot more vocal about their trucks in terms of the speed that their truck can go versus the employee driver is more content to say, well, the company governed it at X, whatever that number is, whatever that speed is, they're more content to go along with that. I don't think that makes them more of a safe driver. I just think it's something to be aware of that you have a little bit more control over that employee driver and the fact that their truck is set to whatever your company specs are. So there's a little bit of a difference there. And I think that's a good illustration of when you're interacting with the independent contractors and the employees. I think it's important for companies to keep in mind when it comes to safety. You should not have different standards and expectations when it comes to safety of your employee drivers versus safety of the independent contractors that you work with. How you go about talking to them about safety, how you go about holding people accountable for good safety might be a little bit different, but your standard is not. So to use your speeding example... Yes, you may govern your employee driver's vehicles, and that might be a way to have a little bit more control over speed. And with independent contractors, there are ways to have governors involved, and we're not really going to get into all that here on this podcast. 
but you should not be okay with an independent contractor speeding and not okay with an employee driver speeding. If either one is speeding, if your standard is we don't allow anyone to speed more than five miles an hour over without getting coaching, and if you ever get a major speed violation, you're going to be fired in the case of an employee driver or disqualified in the case of an independent contractor, you don't have different standards. Because if you have different standards, you're opening yourself up to some pretty significant liability issues. Again, how you talk to them might be a little bit different. How you enforce it might be a little bit different, but the standard should not be. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with that in terms of, hey, regardless of what you are, I hold the accountability the same? I think a bigger challenge in that area that you're discussing, Doug, is if you have multiple terminals, is each terminal looking at speeding the same way? So in other words, what's the company definition of speeding? Is it X miles per hour over the posted limit for five minutes? Is it 10 minutes? Is it two minutes? Is it five miles over? Is it seven miles over? I think we can remember some customers that we've done some work with, some very good customers. But when it came to this area and we spoke to different terminal folks, we got different definitions of what they said the company's view of speeding is. So I think as a company, that's where you can really get yourself in trouble. And I think this is what you're saying, whatever it is, whatever the definition is, you've got to be consistent across the board with independent contractors and employees. And I would suggest you also want to double check to make sure you're consistent across the board from terminal to terminal. It's a great point because I think what you're saying is, and I agree with this, is what we see is trucking companies have less issues being consistent in their enforcement when the oversight is through the same channel. Let me be a little bit more precise with an example. If the way I operate my trucking company is I have each terminal manager kind of runs their little business, they've got little P&L responsibility and so forth, and they're in charge of being safe, being on time and delivering profit to the organization, there is room, and I don't say that in a good way, for inconsistent enforcement of standards, inconsistent standards. If you decide to manage your trucking company at a terminal level by terminals, or if you decide we're going to do it by divisions, meaning the dedicated division, the -the over-the-road division, the local division, you run into the same issue where the local folks are holding the contractors and drivers to a different standard than the OTR folks are and so forth. If by chance you run into a situation where your employee drivers are managed by one chain and your independent contractors are managed through a different chain, then you run into those issues. Where we see companies have employee drivers and independent contractors worked with through the same chain, we do see companies pretty good at holding them to the same standard. I think that's exactly right. So that's the critical takeaway from a safety perspective is make sure you're holding people to the same standard. Now, Gary, I'm curious though, when it comes to an independent contractor, how do you have a conversation with them about safety, knowing that there are lawyers like me who say you can't exercise control and you can't tell them what to do and so forth? How do you, frankly speaking, still hold them accountable? You focus on doing the right thing because most people want to do the right thing. So if you think about it this way, a conversation with an independent contractor, you are on the road and you're driving an 80,000 pound vehicle. 
that gives you an advantage right there in terms of safety. If you get into an accident, the likelihood of you getting hurt is much less than the people that are in the car down below you that you've run into or that have run into you. When you're driving down the road and you're having four-wheelers swerve in and out, in amongst you, in between the lanes, you've got to hold steady in your lane. You've got to do the right thing and you talk to them about safety. I think that means something to people. First of all, it gives them a point of pride that you're pointing out to them that, hey, they're responsible for others. And secondly, it just makes good common sense to them when they think about the fact that I'm probably the biggest guy on the road in terms of vehicles. So I owe it to all the rest of these people that are driving around me to be careful. I think if you focus on that, that can go a long way toward getting things worked out the way you want them to be in terms of the way the contractor's operating. I like that message a lot because I think you and I both are of the school of thought of technique is nice. There's a lot of good things about technique, whether you're talking about the Smith system or defensive driving and all sorts of different things. We can talk technique and there's great stuff to be learned from technique. What is more important is just that ethical, do I have in my head, I want to be safe today. I'm going to do what I can to be safe today. That's when you can be great at safety and you're thinking about the right things and doing the right things. To also put a little bit more color on this in terms of the accountability of independent contractors, always keep in mind, if you're a trucking company, what's on the side of the truck? The side of the truck, by law, is going to be your trucking company name, your trucking company DOT number. The Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration and every law out there says, if there is an accident, you are responsible. Now, whether or not you're liable for the claim and all that kind of stuff, there's other things involved in that. But at the end of the day, the court, the public, they're not looking to see, is that driver an independent contractor or an employee? And we will go after the driver personally. They're going after you trucking company. It's your record, your insurance, your liability, all those things. You are also responsible as a trucking company for making sure then whomever is steering that wheel and pushing those pedals meets your standards. So you're qualifying them, certifying them, whatever word you want to use. You are saying this person is okay to be behind this wheel or they're not okay behind this wheel. So you have that lever at all times. You can always say to an independent contractor, you are or are not qualified to operate a vehicle that has my name on the side of it. That's not you exercising too much control. That's you being a good safety steward and abiding by the law. So if a contractor is pushing back against you on safety things or is not behaving the way you expect it to be done in terms of safety results, and that's what I'd focus on, safety results, if their behavior is not up to speed, then your lever is I can disqualify you. Now, you can say to the contractor, I may choose to not disqualify if you agree to do this, turn down your truck. If you agree to go to this class and sit through some ethics discussions, if you agree to watch this video, agree to this camera in your truck, all those types of things, you can hold them accountable by saying, you have a choice. If you want to stay qualified, do this. If you want to be disqualified, that's fine. And you can go try to find another driver that meets my standards to operate that vehicle. But that's your legal mechanism for still holding the accountable. The employee, it's a little bit more straightforward. It's my truck. I dictate who goes into that truck. Either you're hired or you're fired. But at the end of the day, it really is about disqualification or qualification. And I'm a proponent of 
safety should just be in the business of qualifying and disqualifying. They really shouldn't be in the business of canceling contracts, signing contracts, or hiring people or firing people. They should be in the business of qualified or disqualified. Let other people make the other personnel or contract decisions. And I think, Gary, that's the way you've operated in your past. And that's the way you've recommended it to clients. What are your thoughts on that distinction? It's consistency. If safety is focused on the specific qualification or disqualification recommendation, it's consistency. They're worried about that. They're not worried about the paperwork that needs to get filled out to disqualify someone. They're not worried about having the conversation necessarily even with the driver to qualify or disqualify. Think of them in terms of they're the judges that are scoring. They're posting a score, but someone else is coaching to improve that score or someone else is disciplining as a result of that score. So I think it's consistency. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I'm curious, when we talk about independent contractors and employees, if you kind of move on from safety, another big thing that comes into working with them is pay and how pay is structured and how you go about pay and so forth. Do you have any kind of advice in general for good pay practices when it comes to independent contractors? A good settlement sheet or receipt that explains from top to bottom how you got to the final amount of money that you're paying them something that's easily read, something that you can coach them on when they first come on board with you so that they understand it, something that if gets mailed home and their spouse or significant other opens it up that they should be able to understand it. I think that's critical. I think our industry is full of contractor drivers that have felt like they've been burned at other carriers before. So there's a certain level of distrust No matter how excited they are about coming in to work for you, in the back of their mind, until they see that first paycheck, that first settlement sheet, there's a little bit of distrust as to, are they really going to pay me what they said they were going to pay me? The thing that can cause an immediate problem is if it's confusing when they look at it. If they don't understand how you got from A to Z on the sheet, that's a problem. And isn't it amazing you would give the exact same advice, I think, about employee drivers and their pay stubs. Yep. I think it's an old saying in trucking that we can mess up a whole bunch of stuff and it's forgivable, but you can't mess up someone's pay. You can make a bad appointment. You can give a bad direction. You can provide a wrong pickup number. You can commit a whole bunch of sins, which the driver or the contractor understands and you move forward. But when you mess up their pay, That's a problem. And sometimes that's a problem that you never really rebound from because no matter how good the explanation is for why the mistake was made, you're opening up that door to distrust. And let's also shed some light on this. When those sheets are clear and good and easy to understand, it's also that much easier for your office team to deal with any issues and to deal with any questions of any kind. If you think of that settlement sheet, that pay stub is a touch point with the driver. Do you want that touch point to be a good touch point and a good experience for that person or a bad experience? If it's easy to understand, then it's going to be a good touch point. Okay, those are the loads I moved. That's the rate that they said they would pay me. That's what's in my contract. It all lines up. It all matches. And they can do that in seconds, maybe a minute. It doesn't take them five, 10 minutes and going back and checking a whole bunch of things because, as you said, there's this distrust over all these other bad settlements that they've had in the past. 
And then if there is a mistake, if something is like, hey, wait a minute, that was X amount of miles. It wasn't Y amount of miles. I think something got calculated wrong or my detention. I don't see that on here or whatever. And they do call, whether it's their dispatcher or someone else in the office, the more people you have that can answer those questions and answer them quickly so they don't have to sit on hold and get transferred three, four, five times, you are making that touch a better experience. You keep building that trust. You're putting money in the bank. I know you like that analogy. I think that makes a lot of sense. You keep putting money in the bank with that contractor or with that driver. I think that's right. And I think this sometimes is hard to do because sometimes those conversations start out very emotional. The driver or the contractor feels like there's been a mistake. So they're emotional about that. But the important piece or the piece that can go a long way is if the folks in your office that are working through that, that are explaining the situation to them, you want to thank the driver, thank the contractor for the opportunity to explain that to them. Hey, you know what, Doug? That's a really good question. And let me look at this with you. Oh, you know what? I see that we paid this correctly. Do you understand how it was paid correctly? Yes, I do. Okay, well, thanks for bringing that up. The last thing we want is for you to stew about something that you weren't completely clear on. So I think that's a challenge because people who are answering those calls or having those conversations within your office, it's tempting for them to get frustrated. This is the fifth time in a week I've had to explain this particular part of the settlement check, but we got to work past that. Their face to the driver, their face to the contractor has to be a positive one that they're a resource for the person and they're glad to explain it to them. The same is true about the spouses and the significant others. I don't think we should minimize that because sometimes what happens is that settlement check stub gets mailed home or is put online and it's actually the person at home that's looking at it. If it's confusing, if there's a problem with it, you want to get it corrected right away because the last thing that we want is the driver going home and then having to explain to his significant other the pay stub and he's almost defending where he's now driving. He's excited about driving for you, but he goes home and his significant other says, well, this check doesn't make any sense. Look at this. It's important to get that stuff cleared up right away because you want that person at home to be as positive about your company as you want the driver to be. Well said. And I think as we've talked on a variety of different topics, whether it's operations, safety, pay, and we can keep going online, we can get into maintenance, we can get into some other HR stuff and a variety of different aspects of the business and how they are different when it comes to using independent contractors or using employees. But I think that the key word in there is it's different. It's not necessarily better or worse. There are great trucking companies out there that work exclusively with employee drivers. There are great trucking companies that work exclusively with independent contractors. And there are great companies that work with both. There is no right or wrong to use them. There are right ways to use them and wrong ways to use them, but there's not a right or wrong. And I think something that frustrates me as someone who does a little bit of advocacy for the industry on a variety of issues, including independent contractors, is this is an industry with 3 million-ish professional truck drivers. Less than half, under a million of them, are independent contractors. Every trucking company we know right now is looking for more capacity. Virtually every one of them will take an independent contractor or an employee. That's the most common model. Most clients, most trucking companies use some combination of both. So one, this notion that anyone is forced, I find a little bit laughable when it comes to the trucking industry because it really doesn't happen. There are plenty of options for both. The second thing is, 
the cost is different. Working with them is different. The benefits are different. They're not better or for worse. You mentioned it earlier. One nice thing about working with employees is you get to plan. You can get really good at utilization. And Gary, I think you would say when freight's robust and I know I've got a hundred employee drivers, I know it's going to be a really good week Mm -hmm. because I've got these guys and gals all lined up and I'm not going to be wasting time. Let's rock and roll. When times are a little bit softer, you've got those independent contractors. You don't maybe have as much overhead in that regard. We can weather this storm together. We can work with the independent contractors because they're out there differentiating with us, providing better service, providing great safety, and they're out looking for freight for me. We're working together and we're going to weather this storm together. We're going to be a safe harbor for one another. There are pros and cons to both. To maybe put another point on, I'm not going to claim to be any kind of driver or contractor compensation expert, but round numbers. If an employee driver today is making 50, 60 cents a mile, the independent contractor is making $1.50, $1.60, $2 a mile when you start throwing in fuel surcharges and all that kind of stuff. So cost is not more, cost is not less, cost is different. Neither one stands out as always better or always worse. And I wish more people understood that about the trucking industry because there are so many great opportunities, so many really good companies working with both. Yeah, there's always bad actors. I don't want to say there aren't bad actors, but there's so many good things going on. You and I have both have worked with both employee drivers, independent contractors, and have good friends among both of them and really liked it when carriers have good homes for both. Agreed. I think there's room for everybody on the playing field. And it's just a matter of, do you want to be a team that throws the ball or do you want to be a team that runs the ball? Or do you want to be a team in these days and these times that runs kind of a multiple offense where you do a little bit of both? I think you can be successful with any one of those as long as you decide what you want to do, who you want to be, and set your systems up to support what it is you're trying to do. Yeah, I think well said. The nice thing about having a mixed fleet, I think what you're getting at, Gary, is then I can go out and I can attack a variety of different freight markets. If I've got some freight needs that are very proscriptive in their service demands, I need you to do A, then B, then C, then D, and very detailed in the way they do it and the way they're requiring it to be done. And it's the same work every day, might be a little bit better fit for that employee driver. If I got miles and I've got freight that needs good service, but how it gets done, don't really care that much as long as it gets done safely and on time, independent contractors can knock it out of the park. That's a fantastic model for them. There's all sorts of different things you can do with employee drivers, independent contractors. And I really like the ability to be flexible when you have both. Doug, I'd agree with that. I think when you have a mixed fleet, you can serve different types of customers. That can give you more opportunities, more revenue streams, if you will. So you just have to think about the differences between managing the two. You've done a good job today of pointing out the fact that they are different. So you just have to recognize that the way you work with them are different. You're not managing the contractor. You're coaching the contractor. You're managing the employee's work. You need to understand those differences and you can have a successful organization using both. And most people today, as you said earlier, are due to the lack of capacity that's available to them. 
good points, Gary. Well, thank you very much for the time. I think this has been a good discussion. I hope our listeners find this helpful. What we're really keep trying to do with the Graw Pod is just talk about some issues, some challenges that we hear going on in the industry, whether it's via news or just questions we get asked from clients. And hopefully that with each one of the Graw Pod episodes, there's a takeaway or two that you can take back to your business. Hopefully there's been a thing or two here in this discussion that is the same way. So thanks, Gary, for the time. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. Keep being safe out there until next time. Thank you.